I'm Laura Schofield and I'm the founder of Otto and Ivy, a shoe brand for tall women in sizes 8 to 12. Before launching my business, I worked as a TV presenter and also wrote a fashion blog for tall women like me. This is my new podcast in which I talk to brilliant tall people and discover how height has affected all of our lives. Welcome to Tall Stories. My next guest is best-selling author and former teaching assistant Daisy Upton, or as she's known to her legion of social media followers who turn to her for quick and easy kids' activities, the five-minute mum. With her size nine feet, Daisy became an Otto and Ivy customer, and I'm so thrilled that she's joining me today to talk about parenting tall children. We'll be discussing how to avoid passing on our own body hang-ups to our offspring, the cringe factor of when your five-year-old looks a lot older, but definitely publicly behaves like a five-year-old, and what to do if your child is being bullied at school. Because guess what? Tall kids get bullied too. Who knew? We'll also talk about what it's like to be on the shorter side of tall and straddling that awkward void between the high street and tall ranges. I'm going to start by asking the three most annoying questions. Well, there's certainly ones that people annoy me with all the time. The first one is, how tall are you? I'm five foot ten, I think. I think I'm like between five foot nine and five foot ten. But yeah, most of the time I just say I'm five foot ten. And you've got size nine feet as well? Size nine feet, yeah. yeah. They were like, I could squeeze into an eight before I had kids. And then since I've had kids, they like swelled to yeah. a definite nine. And then they have never gone back down. <laughs> That's quite common, actually. And I even think I grew an inch during pregnancy as well. So I was already really? six foot tall. No, I'm, I'm, uh, people listening to this are going to now go, I'm not having children. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I did. I, I went from about six foot to six foot one. Um, and yeah, definitely your feet often get bigger as well. That, that reminds me, actually, I tried to Google your height before I messaged you. And <laughs> it came up with the height of your books. So your books are like 154 millimetres oh, or something like that. How many, how many books make a me? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and that's funny isn't it yeah I think what, what is really funny is about Instagram um is that because you're in Instagram people think you're small <laughs> yeah and and when I meet people in real life so people come up to me quite a lot and say oh you're five foot nine um and they always go oh you're so tall in real life I thought you were going to be a lot smaller because <laughs> um, you fit inside my phone <laughs> because I'm like well you can't swipe me now like I'm like I'm here in, in real life and yeah people are always surprised that I'm tall when they meet me in real life and it's nice because I'm friends with Sarah Turner, the unmumsy mum. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we're the exact same height. Oh, is she um, tall as well? Like, yeah. I thought she was little because she fits in my phone. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and when we met, she was like, oh, we're the same. Like, this is really nice. Aww. But again, I think people think she's small. And so when we've had photos together, they just think we're both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> both little. But, yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're about exactly the same height pretty much. So, so have you always been tall? Uh, so I wasn't at, like in like early teens I was like really average you can sort of it's really funny actually like you can see from my school photos I'm like sat in the middle or front row of those yearly school photos when I'm when I'm like primary school age and then I get to secondary school age and I'm kind of similar for the first couple of years and then all of a sudden I'm on the back row <laughs> like, yeah. with all the other with, with mostly the boys and all the other tall kids that fit puberty um so I just suddenly sort of elongated yeah and at one point I was like 
incredibly skinny because I I went so tall and I was really I'm really active loved doing sport um so I was still doing all my sports and stuff but mm. I'd obviously grown at the same time so I looked incredibly spindly and tall at, at one point I was doing like a theatre production and my mum was like oh god you didn't you almost looked unwell on the stage oh. it was like really strange to see me so gangly and long um are your parents tall so if you've got a tall family not particularly so my dad is six foot uh, and my mum's probably five foot six but my dad's mm. family are all tall so his sister is taller than him and or I think she's probably the same height she's about six foot and then uh, all his brothers are like over six foot six foot four that kind of thing yeah. so um, they're already tall my brother is six foot four so he's like inherited that then he's got like size 13 and 14 feet or something yeah um so yeah there's like tall and that's my dad's side of the family but my mum's side definitely not so you are five foot ten which is probably at the slightly smaller end of tall but but definitely still considerable because you're six inches which I can't I can't quite believe this but six inches taller than the average woman at five foot four in fact I've even looked online and some people say that the UK average is five foot three which seems seems really diddy um but did you feel tall growing up and what was your school experience like I don't remember there being comments about my height occasionally like I hear I'd hear comments from like family friends more like Mm. my mum and dad's friends would be like oh haven't you shut up and oh, you're going to be so tall, you've got such long legs. I've got really disproportionately long legs. So my husband's six foot and we have exactly the same legs and fit, almost fit size. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so like that, but my friends definitely didn't say anything, but I felt always really conscious that I was like a head above everybody. And so I would always slouch when we were talking in a group, you know, when you're in like mm. a huddle when you're in that sort of, and I had like a close knit group of friends. And so I would, I would always kind of slouch my shoulders down and sort of try and make myself blend into them. I can definitely yeah. remember doing that, but I had a real split life because, so I'm a netballer as well. And so in terms of my netball side, it was such a massive advantage yeah. and it was like, Oh great. You're going to be tall, you know, um, brilliant and it was like such a positive thing for for my sports and netball and same with athletics as well it like really gave me a massive advantage so yeah um I remember feeling sort of really pleased on that sort of side and then but then socially sort of like or oh, feeling more and more awkward as, as I got taller than everybody else mm. and my friends and some of my friends like you know you have the friends who hit puberty really early like in end of primary school and they are really tall you think they're really tall and actually, when you grow up to be adult size, like they're probably five foot four, five foot, yeah. you know, like an average height. And then I sort of like grew past them. <laughs> was yeah. thinking, oh, they were really tall. And now I'm like much taller than them. So, yeah, I kind of feel like I had it sort of, I remember it as being, you know, both amazingly brilliant and helpful. And yeah, sort of socially a bit like, oh, God. But yeah, I played with a lot of girls at Loughborough. Yeah. Um, when I played netball um, there, I was one of the smallest yeah so that was really interesting because I went like massively upper level because Loughborough is like a netball the netball center of the UK and uh like well probably England actually and it's where a lot of the England team train and go and it was like a hub and I turned up being like you know one of the tallest from my squad in Sussex to getting into a squad where I was one of the smallest definitely um yeah and and it was like yeah you came up against girls who were you know well over six feet and it was like a suddenly oh I need to get a bit smarter about how I play exactly <laughs> I think it's <laughs> really so, interesting it's so good if you can because not everyone's sporty and you can't say to 
tall women because they're tall get into sport but if your tall child is showing some promise in sport I think it's such a good thing to kind of encourage them to do because like you say you then see the positives of it and you see the power of it and it's so useful I was talking to um Jessica Pardo recently who's the tallest girl in Britain and she's six foot nine she's had horrific body shaming online but she steps onto that netball court and she's in her happy place and she's the person that people are nervous about and she's the powerful Mm -hmm. one exactly and I think the good thing about sport is it makes you really appreciate what your body can do so you'll have and and sport you know lends itself to different body shapes you know if you're Serena Williams and her body shape totally is you know she brings so much power to her game because of the shape she is Mm. and it's and it makes you feel really positive about the thing so my big feet when I was sprinting as a sprinter at, um, at university, the, you know, I had a great advantage because I've got big feet and, yeah. and it, it helped. And I've got really, really big hands, really long fingers. So in netball, for me, that's always an advantage. And my dad used to say that to me because my feet are hideous. <laughs> they massive. They are really hideous. And he used they to can't say, be worse than mine. Mine are like witch fingers. Everyone yeah, that's how mine are. Can you can you show me what that sandal looks like on your foot? And I'm like, no, <laughs> you just have to imagine it. I I am not an open toe foot model, no way. So that's why I absolutely love though. Um, I can't remember the name of the shoes, the pink suede. Oh, the slug. Yeah, they literally hide your toes. The the. Uh, oh, I, I was like, they are my dream because they look pretty, oh. but my everything is hidden. And um, yeah, and so uh, for me, that's ideal. So my feet are hidden, but my dad used to say, but look what they can do. Like it doesn't matter. Like yeah. look what they can do. Look how fast you can run. Look how high you can jump because you've got those extra, extra centimeters to look yeah. to yourself. Uh, and it, the ground. it so is it gives, sport is a great way to focus on the positives. Definitely, and it is. Um, it's like you say. It's about finding that particular thing and not getting upset about the things that you can't do because there will be things like like I am rubbish at gymnastics I can't do a cartwheel to save my life I was never <laughs> going to be the kind of cute petite gymnastics girl but I could be goal defense and and do really well at it so yeah yeah finding your niche anyway um we'll quickly talk about fashion as well because obviously shoes can be tricky when you're size nine in my head, five foot ten for fashion, and I might be totally wrong, feels like the kind of dream height. Do you still find that things can be a little bit short or is that like model high, great for the high street? Yeah, it's it's a funny one because I feel like I'm smack bang on the line. So mm. um so I'm not I'm not sort of sometimes I'm not tall enough to wear the tall clothes because yeah. they are too long. So I recently ordered something, um, a jumpsuit, and I've had to have the trousers taken up because they are too long. Yeah. Um, but if I had put, if I had bought one that was a regular, it wouldn't have fit me in the body. Like it yeah. wouldn't be long enough. So, and then probably the, the legs wouldn't be long enough. So I'd always rather take it up because that's obviously you can always remove material and you can't add. I have at yeah. times asked my mum desperately to drop a hem on stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I was growing up, there there wasn't the tool sections like there are now. You'd like have a tool section in Topshop that had like three items in it. Do mm-hmm. you remember that? Yeah. And like, I would be like, oh God, like I'll just buy it because it will fit me. But actually yeah. it's probably not what I would choose. And I can, I went through a phase that was really interesting. So I went through like a, I don't even know what you call it. Like, you know, where you're into like, I don't know, Blink 182, that kind of like grungy look phase. <laughs> and everybody had on like that in my school was, it was the thing to wear like corduroys or jeans that were 
to the floor covering your shoes like flared over yeah. your shoes and I could not find any that were long enough and I remember begging my mum to take me um, to a town an hour away because they had a shop and again they still weren't long enough but if I dropped them right low on my hips <laughs> they were practically like on my Nikola bum crack yeah I could just about get away with it but I, rem- I can remember being physically uncomfortable in them trying to get them to touch the ground <laughs> like yeah. trying to force that like look that everybody like you say all my friends with their lovely cute <laughs> yeah. they all look so cute in them and they look so cool and I, and I just always felt so gangly and I could never quite get them long enough and so, yeah, I'm in this sort of weird in the middle zone, really. Yeah, I think, yeah, def- I've heard that as well, that people are on the cusp and it's quite tricky. But also, like you were saying, tall ranges are fine if you don't want to express any kind of personality <laughs> or if you have like a particular style that you want, like if you're going through a grungy phase, you can't. You've just got to, you've got to be whoever Topshop Tall says you are. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> you're, you're this height. So yeah. you'll wear those moto jeans and that black vest and that will be your uniform yeah. for the rest of the year um let's talk about parenting I have honestly had so many questions actually so I, I put as I said I put out um something on my insta stories and um, saying that I was talking to you today and that we would be discussing mainly parenting of tall children and lots of responses and the main response that I had which is really upsetting but something you're probably expecting is if a parent has body hang-ups, body insecurities, um, which sadly some tall adults do have about their height or, or their weight as well, how mm. do you make sure not to pass those on to your children? It's really difficult, isn't it? Because you've got your, you know, as well as parents, you're a person and a human yourself. Um, I think the main sort of thing is just to try not to voice those out loud in front of your children so obviously you know you can talk to your friends talk to your partner but if it's at all possible if you you know it's like sort of saying oh if you were sat at the table and oh mummy can't have that because it's you know it's got I don't want to put on weight or something like that Mm. it's sort of trying to avoid saying that and instead just say oh I don't feel like eating that today you know and just sort of changing the the voice around it so it's just about a choice that you're making rather than it being directly related to how you feel about how you look um and I think what's so interesting with children is it's what you tell them and what you do so if you you can try and experiment with your kids where you say touch your shoulder and you do this Mm. and you tap your elbow and they will tap their elbow which shows that they're much quicker to copy you than to listen to the instruction and do it yeah. So you can sort of you can do like little investigations like that where you can see how your children are copying you. So if you can for if you can try and sit with them for five minutes and it's always about like I say with anything to do with mental health of children or yourself, it's like carving out those five minute moments, sometimes where your child will just come and sit on your lap for a minute or you know, you get a few moments while you know you're waiting for the chips to cook in the oven or whatever, and you've just got that time and just talk to them about your favorite parts of your body. so even if you aren't happy with how you feel about your height or your weight or something you know some people don't like their nose and things like talk to your child about the things you do like so oh I've got beautiful nails or I really love how um my earrings look today or my ears you know any little bit of your body that you do love Mm. talk to your child about that and then ask them say oh what do you love about your body so I always sort of say to to flow I love your tummy because it's so 
it's full of lovely food and I give it a big kiss and I say isn't it nice because I never want her to feel like however it looks it's not lovely like it's it's lovely it's beautiful yeah Um, so I sort of try and always say that to both my children about oh I love this bit of you because and give it a good positive association you know it's you know it's so strong Mm. or it's something like that but it is it is really hard if you have your own things and I think you have to just be kind to yourself and recognize you're you're a human being too and if you do accidentally say something to your child and you think I wish I hadn't said that talk to them about it and just say you know oh you know you know when mommy or daddy said that to you well that's because I feel this way about my body and I wish I didn't and yeah and often your children will tell will the image they reflect back at you if you ask them what they like about your body they will give you answers that you never expected and they might Mm. give you a little bit of that confidence that you're missing so they might they might their favorite parts of you might be the bits you dislike the The squishy tummy yeah squishy bits you know wonky nose they might love it because it makes you you and your you know your bingo wings they might love that bit of you because they hold on to it for comfort sometimes when they cuddle you you know all those things that we might not like about ourselves if you ask your children they might say that they're their favorite bits yeah do you do you think you should preempt that height conversation with a tall child or do you think you should wait until they bring it to you or is it worth saying things like oh aren't you lucky being so gorgeously tall um yeah it's an interesting question I think I feel like my advice is always what suits your family. So if you're the kind of family that likes to have those conversations, then absolutely preempt it. But some some aren't. And I sort of feel like, you know, it depends on the kind of chats that you're used to having. Because if it comes out the blue force, a child will pick up on that. So it's, it's something that feels natural to you. But I always say, like, definitely tell them all the time, like, you know, positive associations with with their height so Mm. um yeah like sort of just mentioning occasionally oh like um people used to say to me which I was like oh haven't you got lovely long legs I wish I had had long legs like that you know and it's just it makes you think oh that's quite I've got something that people you know want and that's quite nice um and people used to say to me about my hair like people pay hundreds of pounds to get their hair that color to me when I was little and so it's again just those kind of little off-the-cuff comments that will make you boost you up and give you that those layers of confidence so that when you do get to the age where you're self-conscious about your height then hopefully you have those layers underneath already built Mm. up of your confidence and so it won't break down quite so easily um so it's just about those sort of everyday little comments that can build them up and like my my nan was brilliant at this she used to say to me um you're the most beautiful girl in the world all the time Mm. and we can think that's quite a superficial thing and I think sometimes we hear things saying we shouldn't comment on how children look um and I can understand that that's you know a totally valid conversation but I also feel like her comments to me about that I knew she was being silly and frivolous and but she said it often enough that it it just gave me that base level well my nan thinks I'm beautiful so you yeah. know at least she at least she cares somebody thinks I'm beautiful yeah so and it's you know it doesn't have to always be like a like I said um like a superficial thing It'd be oh you're so strong like we say that to yeah. both my kids quite a lot look how like your legs are so lovely and strong when they ride that bike I can see your muscles all working like that's so brilliant you know and you can relate it to things you know it's because you ate, you know you ate such a lovely 
dinner we had lots Broccoli. of pasta <laughs> and yeah we had some vegetables and or you can relate it to just them practicing lots and like I can see your muscles getting stronger and you can you know give them positive role models to connect that like you know that they might see on tv like Chris Hoy like my son loves cycling so we'll say oh you know look at Chris's legs he's sort of really muscly and yours are looking so nice and muscly and um you know and just building up that those little comments day by day to make give them that base level of self-confidence so that hopefully mm. when they when they do get those knocks in life when somebody does comment on oh aren't you tall you're so you know and say something negative about it they sort of like you say will take that initial hit so hopefully yeah. and I think those those women that are getting in touch the mums that are getting in touch and saying they don't want to pass on those insecurities in terms of good parenting they're probably already halfway there because they're aware of it and mm-hmm. so they know that they want to encourage their child to love their height and to build them up and i think it's actually you know my my mom was brilliant and i actually messaged her yesterday and said did we have conversations about my height can you remember me getting upset about it and um she said, yeah, I can, I can remember you getting a bit upset. And I said, what did you say? Because I love my height now. Mm. <laughs> and she's like, I can't remember, but it must have worked <laughs> because you've turned out okay. <laughs> but I think it it really actually helps to have, and my mum was, wasn't massively tall. She was a bit tall, but, you know, she had similar issues with getting shoes to fit and that kind of thing. And I think it does help having a tall mum. So I think if you, you are aware that your child is going to go through these things and you're thinking about it and you're conscious of it, then that that's half the battle, isn't it? Do you think as well that, because I don't know, I think I've, I've sort of noticed this with my nephews a bit, but I don't know if it's wishful thinking. Obviously you've worked in schools prior to uh, having your book career. Do you think that in 2022 we are better at celebrating differences that kids are better at celebrating uniqueness at school or is this me just wishful thinking I've seen a few things on Instagram about it and I'm like oh yeah bullying stopped everything's great (laughs) it's definitely not stopped Um, and I think that there's an element that is there's a natural thing in all of us to compare and compete and want to fit in and and that sort of underlying theme will always run through a school I think Mm. but how we approach it and how educational um staff and people that work in education approach it is different now which I think is helpful and I think like you say representation is going to make the biggest difference because Mm. if you can see all those different body types shapes heights colors all the time then it just becomes people rather than like you say we're looking for a certain type of people to fit in certain types of boxes um and so I think it is still quite slow like even now like I'm sort of asking the question of well well what about you know why why are we doing it this way and you know it does need to still shift a lot further in that direction but I feel like my children and I think lots of my friends and just anecdotally like how we talk to them about people and their differences is is different to when Mm. I was a child and like the the books on my children's bookshelf is totally more diverse diverse and we you know we've got books with children with disabilities and things like that so we have those conversations at this point in their life rather than oh, when they come across a friend or somebody who is disabled and then you kind of backtrack and think, oh, what about all of those things? Or I know in school um, during PHSE, I definitely did my class and we worked with them, you know, we talk about what can you tell about 
that person stood mm. there can you tell if they're good at maths can you tell if they're funny can you tell if they're a good friend and it was like no but they could yeah. be any of these things and it was just kind of getting that that sort of thought into their head so having worked as a TA um have you seen a difference in the way that tall children are treated by their peers at school I think there's um a typical because I worked in primary and I mostly worked in early years and key stage one yeah um so at that age they are oblivious to Mm. most things they kind of almost don't even see differences to it they're almost sort of blind to it in in many respects um and anything that they do know at that age is always uh something they've picked up from an adult so they're they're sort of almost like you say mimicking that belief but they don't really understand that belief themselves but they might sort of say something that they've heard an adult say in my experience teaching anyway and it was only as they got into those like late phase stages of primary where they suddenly how they look and feel about themselves and they're starting to like develop those identities that will become adults Mm. uh, that they start to be conscious about how they look and how they appear to other people if they're in their peer groups um and I can remember like asking you know sometimes you're doing something about measurement for example in in maths in the class and you'll like say to the kids can you figure out who's the tallest and line yourselves up in high order in the class I always knew Um, exactly where to go yeah (laughs) I was I never spent any time going (laughs) oh which which where could I be and that's interesting because then you can kind of it is that experiment on self-awareness so they are mm. they aware how tall they are or perhaps if they're at the smaller end and they, like you say if they go immediately or they did all might kind of mill around in the middle not really sure yeah. and then you'll do like measuring of each other and heights and and I think at that little age when I was it was almost like a badge of honor the talk you know that I'm the tallest in the class and, yeah. and at that sort of age it definitely is like a um a big deal and then like you say the class photos and stuff it's like the tallest kids go on the back row and then you'd have that kind of but there was never anything that I saw where they were yeah treated any differently for being tall Mm. um but then once they get into those sort of later stages then it's like something that they just want to all blend in together Mm. and and feel like they belong and it's that sense of belonging and if you feel different in any way then you don't maybe you're you know if you're seeking that sense of belonging then it becomes difficult because they start to say things that ostracize another person to make them belong yeah (laughs) and that's when you start to get those kind of things at play Um, and again it's all about those PHSE like conversations and that's where you hope those those chats come into play and as a teaching staff that's where you talk you know you remind them of Mm. those things and quite often teachers will plan lessons based on things that have happened in playgrounds or in you know in the classroom that they've seen and they'll sort of say right we're going to do a session on this because this is something that's come up about yeah body awareness or differences or things like that so and what should you do if if your child is being bullied for their height or for anything else what's the best approach as a parent I think the thing that I always and I've talked about this in my second book um this is all about going to school is Mm. try and and team up and see the teachers and and teaching staff as on your side as as a team together it can be really difficult and I think the problems will happen if you start to sort of blame like oh the teachers aren't picking up on it or they're not you know and and what you want to try and do is all get together and sort of be like this you know this is a problem how can we 
you know how can we troubleshoot this how can we problem solve this you know mm. what are our options and our strategies that and the school will have bullying policies and procedures for what happens and they'll be able to help explain those to anybody you can usually find them on the school website too and if you dig deep enough it's tricky because it's it's going to be a full staff approach quite often because you'll have your teachers and your TAs who work in the classroom but then they come across different staff in you know at lunchtime they'll have midday assistants and different staff will take playground duty so Mm. if you're finding that's where the problem is you really want to talk to um the teacher and make sure that that is is communicated as a whole that you know my child is having this problem and can we please be conscious and aware of it and look out for it and support them with these strategies whatever you've decided is best for the child so throughout their day all of their experiences there are people that are aware aware that this could be going on all the way along definitely that's really good advice um one thing as well and I know we're running out of time a little bit and I want to talk more about your books because they're amazing um I struggle a lot with this and I know I've had messages about this as well. My five-year-old son, Arthur, looks 17, (laughs) to be honest. He's he's, he's massive, absolutely gorgeous. Um, But his behaviour is not quite at seven yet. He's definitely still behaving like a five-year-old. But I find that parents expect a lot of him and or other parents expect a lot of him and even the teachers, I think, expect a lot of him. And I find because he's so much taller than his peers, and this is obviously a part of it is going to sound like a deluded mother. <laughs> but if he does something naughty, I think it's more obvious because he's tall. And if, you know, if he gets pushed by a child, because I've seen this happen in the park, and he is definitely not an angel. If he gets pushed by a child, he can push them back and lamp them (laughs) and this is a bit of an issue and you know the other day we went into and he's quite fidgety anyway we went into um the like a social club in our village and someone was playing pool and it was obviously a very tense game and he just walked past and potted the white ball (laughs) and so I was really embarrassed the woman went quite mad at him and I was thinking he is five but I guess if he was seven you would go well, that's not, I still think it's, it's not okay that she was a bit cross with him, but it, uh, she was obviously about to win, but how, (laughs) how do you make people more aware of it? Should you have conversations with people? It's, it's, it's so true. I find it a bit embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah, I can totally understand that. It's really tricky, isn't it? And I have a really good friend whose daughter, I remember she was two, but she looked like she should have been at school and people would sometimes make comments like why is that kid not in school and it's like she's two but she looked you know she's very tall um and and my friend feel the same feel really embarrassed and and feel like she had to explain herself and I think it is really difficult isn't it but um I think we have to sort of it's really really hard because I think I'm just trying to think of that sort of thing that one of my kids would do walking past a pool table and it absolutely is like it's just too (laughs) tempting and they don't understand the concept of a a competitive game that's in the the middle of it they just think oh that's for everyone to play with like you know they go into school the nursery then there's tables with things set out on and they're encouraged to go up and play with them like that is the setup that he's walked into and looked at Um, and so I think yeah you've almost just got to explain to that be like to the other adult like he's just a child and try not to sort of make I know he looks older but he's not into an issue because then it becomes an issue in its own and they'll hear that and and think what do you mean mummy yeah and then it becomes an issue and it's it it, and it's not an issue like as far as 
you're concerned he did something he he shouldn't have but it's because he didn't understand it's because he's I'll five talk to him because he's five I'll talk to you know sorry my child shouldn't have done that I'll speak to him about it and to the, you know the adult doesn't need to know yeah any reasoning as to why he did it because and um, it's none of their business either because yeah. you will get children who have got perhaps autism that don't understand those social constructs and they might do something like that as well and we have to just be aware as adults that that they're children and they will do things based on their own experiences yeah and we don't have to explain it but we can just say oh sorry I'll speak to them about it and explain that that's you know not not acceptable but you know there's the ball back it's not the end of the world <laughs> I think that's the thing from a because it is it is embarrassing but I think that's the thing if you're embarrassed just remember actually adults do need to to understand and and it might not just be because your child's taller than their age but yeah like you say additional needs if they've got autism or if they've got ADHD there's a you know massive spectrum of things that so we'll put the onus on other people and (laughs) on us adults just to be like yeah and I think the whole height thing happens so I didn't I didn't expect the um sort of questions about height and and their development to be so early but I remember breastfeeding Arthur at 10 months which isn't you know a hugely long time and people like are you still breastfeeding him and he was he was like down to my knees (laughs) isn't that funny because that that's that's the adult's problem like even if so what if you if he was two and a half and you were breastfeeding so exactly so what what? isn't it yeah it's our adults that put those problems in place like you say but so true they're children and we don't know the circumstances so just zip it yes <laughs> stop judging stop judging just zip it let's talk though about the five minute mum you have basically saved so many parents sanity and I was saying to you at the beginning I I shamefully only um found out about you fairly recently and this would have been a lifesaver for me when my children were even smaller I mean they're five and seven now so so many of the games are brilliant for them now but the thing I love about it is it's quick it's you've got all of the um the photos so that if your brain is mushy as it is when you are uh, a new mum, you can easily look at it and you've got all those things that you need in your house and you can do it so it's I mean everyone needs to get this book because it is brilliant and it's it's so practical because there are so many parenting guides aren't there you've probably read some as well that mm-hmm. are a bit wishy-washy and they're very kind of generalized advice which is difficult mm. for your brain to interpret when you've Definitely. had children um so you you started it on Instagram tell me a little bit about how it came about so I yeah I was like I said I was a teaching assistant um and then I got pregnant with Ewan and uh, it just didn't you know pay for me to go back to work so uh, I sort of semi chose semi was forced into becoming a stay-at-home parent and uh, when I had Florence um, two years later, uh, about when she had was about one year old. So those first few years, zero activities took place. I was just in the fuzzy cake scoffing, coffee drinking, trying to get through, survive the days, years, mm. um, like we all are as parents at the beginning. And um, it was only when they were three and one, when Ewan was kind of approaching that starting school preschool age and I thought oh all the activities that I used to do with my nursery classes when I worked as a teaching assistant uh he could actually start to try some of those now but then I was like oh I don't want to get a tough tree and I don't want to get 
out dyed rice because that is going to send me over the edge and I'm already teetering dangerously close most days and so I started just grabbing stuff off the side in my kitchen and doing activities with him it was like literally whatever I could see I would grab that like a spatula and some blue tack or you know a bit of paper and chop it up or Mm. some chalks that were out and because we were in the garden and and just starting to do activities that were kind of like hacked versions of what I had done in the classroom yeah and um and then I realized after a few activities that I wasn't doing what I did in the classroom which was I used to set games up in the morning under the teachers you know teacher instruction would be like here's what we're working on you know and me and the other TA would go and get out the activities that reflected that and set them all up for the children and then the children could choose whether they Mm. played those or not and so I realized that that's what I needed to do at home and so I started with what I now call my golden rule which is you never tell them that you're going to play you never say oh we're going to do this activity now you just wait until they're either busy doing something else, watching telly asleep out the house at nursery, and then you set up the activity and leave it for them to find. And so when they do discover it, they have total autonomy. They can decide whether they're playing or not. So quite often my kids would toddle up to it and go, what's this, mummy? And I say, oh, it's a game. And they go, oh, can we play it? And I go, yeah, okay. Their choice. They've asked, they've asked me to play, so yeah. they are invested in it. It's not me telling them I'm not directing them. I, and I and then I go up and we go. Oh, and I say, oh, this is how you. I'll show you, and I show them how to play. Occasionally, if they if they weren't interested and I was kind of keen to get them, I would maybe sit myself and start playing again, and then mm. see if they wanted to come and join in. Again, totally their choice. If they don't, doesn't matter. But the beauty of that then was like I, the setup has to be short because. Yes if they don't then play or come to, I don't want it to feel like I've wasted all my time you know spending 40 minutes setting up you know like covering my table and getting out the paints or whatever it was it has to be that I can just gather up all the bits in five minutes and put them away again and it's yeah. no harm done so that was where I started telling my husband about this sort of way of playing and and he was like oh at the time Joe Wicks had just come out and he was like well Joe does is like lean 15 meals it needs to be that sort of short and snappy so why don't you be five minute mum so I was like he takes full credit for the name and uh, I was like oh that's a good idea yeah and then I just started timing all the setups for five minutes started writing a blog set up the Instagram and then all these other parents went I want to be five minutes too I want to do it in five minutes and I just very very quickly built up a following of people that you know could see from one Instagram photo oh you only need a puzzle and mm. a gift bag an old gift bag to play this game I've got both of those I can do that yeah and, and I like and I can do it it's easy <laughs> yeah and I like what you're saying that it's if if the kids don't want to do it it's no skin off your nose because you've nope. spent five minutes it's so soul destroying isn't it when you go to hobbycraft and you spend <laughs> yes. 30 pounds on things and then sit there and you are literally just making it yourself they wander off exactly. and then you realize two hours later oh hang on <laughs> they've been watching Paw Patrol and I've made this incredible castle (laughs) exactly and that's how I started the beginning of that book I talk about we did paper mache hot air balloons I mean what was I thinking and I had flu and I was just crying at the end like I've made all this mess the kids have done I've learned nothing absolutely nothing like you say they were watching telly and I was trying to clear up bits of glue in newspaper and I was like oh no this is not the way that I want to parent (laughs) or be it's just making me sad like there's got to be a better way and so I was like right we're gonna do things my way from now on oh it's genius and so good so good over lockdown as well but I was looking at it yesterday and I was like it must take you 
ages all the pictures <laughs> and everything and because it there's it's very photo heavy as well isn't it it is and that's why like you said I want it to be that you can flick through it and go oh I get the gist of that immediately like yeah. I can do that and it's it's not like a, oh god what what do we need all this stuff and um, so I wanted it to be really visual and when I first started doing it on Instagram I think the reason that I got a big following quickly was because it was so visual and simple and it was like oh scrolling down oh I've got some cushions I yeah. can set that the game up instantly rather than to like brain mushed mums just like yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that, I was one too I am yeah. one too so like I wanted it to be easy for me and um yeah I just everything I do is half-assed that's how I would say <laughs> I want it to be the same I just do it for my own peace and ease and um, yeah. yeah obviously that that appealed um but actually yeah the book's amazingly um the first book uh we shot every photo in one day <gasps> this book um, this book that I've got here yes that one that's not so, possible what so there are some phone photos in there there are right. some of my own pictures in there but all of the professional photos taken by the photographer was one day <gasps> in my house and it was absolute chaos because it's almost had... like slave labor for the kids <laughs> <laughs> well and weirdly they weren't even involved they were involved for about two hours yeah so I I shot all the photos of like setups and stuff in the day with the with a one photographer and the designer and because we had like it was obviously like a very limited budget for that first book because I was like completely unknown and just they were like let's let's write your games into a book from the blog and um, yeah so the photo shoot was really low budget and it was just one photographer the designer and me in my house with a box load of stuff just setting up games and literally it tested all of them to check they were five minutes up because we were going five minutes five minutes yeah. five minutes five minutes setting them all up and then when the kids came home there were just hundreds of games laid out and I was like right go to what you want to go to and they just Best went day to ever. game and the photographer was like snap one snap one snap one snap of them just playing it um yeah and they had a ball because they were just like literally playing going from one to the next one playing them and then they'd move on and we just grabbed the shots and yeah it was complete I mean the house afterwards was like <laughs> you wouldn't believe it but yeah it was one day that the subsequent two books um have got bigger and bigger as we've gone on so the second book was uh shot in lockdown so we had to go to a house in London and that was shot over three days and then the latest one was a four-day shoot. So, yeah, they've gradually got slightly longer and slightly easier. and But just as chaotic because, you know, yeah. you've got to plan out all the stuff you need for every game in the book and get it all ready and set yeah. it up. So, yeah, oh, no, it's, it's, so, it's so, so brilliant, though. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely lovely to chat to you. And um, I know you have written a letter to your tall teenage self, which I would absolutely love you to read uh okay so dear 13 year old me I have three words for you just keep going I don't want to tell you anything about the future because I think the magic is in discovering it as it unfolds I will it will reveal itself bit by bit and you'll realize why things were the way they were and every experience builds like a many layered cake each new layer needing the one before to make it whole I want you to continue as you are. I know it's awkward right now. You really want to play Barbies and you feel like you should be talking about take that like everyone else. <laughs> you stress over how your hair looks or forgetting a non-uniform day, trying to always make sure you blend in and disappear into the crowd. That's okay. Just keep going. Hair, mascara and all. There will be mistakes. And even though I could sit here now and tell you exactly how not to make them, I'd rather not. Because if you were to go through life without making them, you'd miss out on a lot but perhaps maybe be ready to forgive yourself for them a little quicker. 
Stay grateful, optimistic, loving and empathetic. Be quick to say sorry and never say anything, never save anything for best. Wear the dresses, the bikinis, the skirts and shoes. Wear them all until they are worn out. Like I said, just keep going. You're fine as you are. Love future me. Oh, thank you, Daisy. I love that. I also love that I can fully justify playing with Barbies with my daughter Matilda now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what I remember so that age being really awkward because I was like oh technically you know you're a teenager and you should yeah. be doing all the teenage but I, w- I just wasn't interested at that time and yeah. wanted to just carry on doing my my childhood things for as long as I could get away with so which you kind yeah, of have done say. for for your career yeah. now as well so <laughs> exactly <laughs> you've nailed life <laughs> yeah Thanks so much to Daisy Upton and don't forget you can follow Daisy for some great parenting hacks and activities on Instagram at 5minutemum or check out one of her brilliantly easy to follow and jam-packed activity books. I have the original Give Me Five and it is a game changer. And if you'd like to follow my business, you can head to Otto and Ivy Shoes on Instagram or Facebook or visit the website ottoandivy.com. See you next time for more tool stories. Bye.